welcome to the Enlightened Practice Podcast, brought to you by the Luminello Electronic Medical Record folks. Here's your host, Dr. Ken Breslow. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, very happy to have Dr. Amy Berlin on the podcast with us. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Um, nice to be here. Dr. Berlin is a psychiatrist in private practice in the Bay Area in California. And today we're going to be talking about practice wills. And honestly, I had not heard of this until (laughs) you brought it up. And then I thought, oh my God, how is it that I've never heard of this? So um, today I want to learn from you about everything uh, there is to be doing and uh, thinking about with practice wills. So um, hi. hi, welcome back. Sure. And um, yeah, so so where do you even begin? What is a practice will? I think the right way to think about a practice will is it's a document that enables anybody who needed to step in and take over managing your practice for you were you to suddenly become disabled or to die unexpectedly. It has all the information that somebody would need to do that where your keys are, how to log into your EHR, how to find your schedule, how to change your voicemail. It's, it's the nuts and bolts of how you, how you operate that, especially if you're a solo practitioner and don't have staff that know these things, someone else could, could step in, in, in on your behalf and take over the operation and the, and the shutting down of your practice ultimately. Wow. So when I think of a will, I think of, I leave the following assets to so-and-so, but this is much more um, uh, in the, in the nitty gritty of it. You have, you have passwords in there. So, and just on that point, it's funny thing because I, when I drew my document up and I showed it to my estate attorney as part of work she was doing for me on in other areas of my life, she said, I really don't like the use of the word will for this. And I think it has to do uh-huh. with that. Uh-huh. So she actually advised me to call my document practice closure instructions. So that's what, that's what my document is officially titled mm-hmm. and the people, the colleagues that I name in it, who would be doing the practice closure, the practice closure assistance. You know, if you, if you uh-huh. Google private practice will, and you see some samples online, you'll see language of private practice will and executors. And it is kind of an executor function, right? It's basically naming the person who would execute on the closing down of your practice. Um, So, um, but just, just based on your, your comment, you're reminding me of those instructions that I got, but to answer your question, um, I don't have passwords in there because I, well, for a few things. Um, one is I use Luminello and in Luminello, I can name a private practice assistant and someone who sets up their own password to my instance of Luminello. So both of the people I've named, and this is a best practice, you name one colleague and an alternate. If for some reason, that colleague were not available, just like many of us do in our wills. Um, they have both been invited to be assistants on my Luminello account. So they both can have access to my Luminello account. I don't need to name the password. And then don't think there's anything else that, well, I have the password to my voicemail in there, um, but I don't think there's anything else that I need a password to um, in my practice closure instructions. I see. So 
I know I, we went real deep really quickly there. Yeah, Let's take yeah. a step back. Sure, where, sure, sure. where did this even come from? How did you even think about this? You know, I don't remember. I remember learning about it and I've, I've read that it's a recommended best practice for solo practitioners. I, I, I mean, I'm someone who really likes to get organized. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I'm fastidious with my estate planning and um, my like, emergency kits. Like, I I just like, I like being prepared. (laughs) And so it's possible that along the line of learning about all of those things, I cross paths with something that was written about a quote unquote practice will. I don't honestly remember how I first learned about it. Um, But once I did being online for templates to see like, what's, what's a what's a standard document of this type even look like. And it's interesting because I remember the first time I did that, and this was several years ago, I did it again recently. I just Googled private practice rules. There are a lot more templates online. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's more and more people are understanding mm-hmm. um, the importance of this. Um, and then I just, it was quite honestly, a very gradual project of several years, just like, you know, half hour here, half hour there, drawing up my own document. And then, you know, would move offices and have to make a change or, you know, would change. I went from having an old school EHR on my computer to a cloud-based EHR and that, that changed a lot of things. So it, you know, it's a live document, right? Because Mm -hmm. our practices are always changing. Mm -hmm. Did you end up using a template or did you have a a lawyer modify it for you? I used a template. My lawyer also hadn't heard of this. (laughs) And she's, and she's, she's a solo (laughs) practitioner. She's like, wow, this is a really good idea. So she (laughs) didn't have any, and she had never been asked to look at anything like this. I, so what I did was I used a template and then, um, you know, the template prompted me to think about like, just where all the, the people and the pieces of my practice located, you know, before the pandemic, I, was in an office space with a property manager. So like, you know, naming who's the property manager in in my building and checking with that person, if someone were to contact them on my behalf, would there be any issues with that property manager working with that person? Um, So just like, just going through different scenarios. um, And there was another point I was gonna make, but I just, what was your question? I just completely forgot what it was. Do you remember it? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, my turn, your template. Yes. You asked me about a template. And so the template was just a place that got me, like jogged my memory in terms of wh- where where are all the parts of my practice that I just kind of know from procedural memory and don't even have to think about where are they located? What would, what would somebody walking in here with no understanding about how my practice runs, what would they need to know? So templates are really helpful because they name the big items, like how to find a list of patients, how to find your schedule, how to find, how to contact patients, all that is covered in the template. And then there are other things that as I was writing it up, I thought of along the way. I see. Do your patients what, how how do you think about it in terms of your patients uh, as you're going through the document? So I've actually, um, it's now part of my practice policies that all new patients oh. sign uh-huh. that I have designated one or two colleagues who would step in on my behalf were I to become incapacitated. And I ask them by signing my practice policies to give me permission to release their information to my colleagues. And so mm. um, I doubt many of my patients remember this, but 
Um, I, you know, covered this with my liability carrier, making sure that the verbiage of this, you know, passed muster with them for existing patients in my practice who had already signed my practice policies when they'd come into my practice. I drew up a practice policies addendum and asked them to, to sign that. So for some patients, there was a conversation that had to happen. And most of them expressed feeling reassured knowing that I was doing that. Um, and patients that have come onto my practice since I've incorporated into my standard practice policies, it never comes up because mm-hmm. people probably don't read that <laughs> carefully. <laughs> it's like the last paragraph, right? So right. at that point, no one's really paying attention. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so how long did it take you to do it? And how painful was it to put together? Well, I mean, you're talking to someone who like, likes setting things up, right? So I wouldn't, the painful <laughs> part was that I couldn't just completely immerse in the project, you know, until I was done from beginning to end, I had to do it in bits and pieces and get interrupted. But it was yeah. because it was getting, you know, plugged in after hours, after, you know, after all the other things that we have to do, it, it, it took a few years, you know, oh, and, wow. you know, and also then a pandemic happened. I mean, what I, what I'm saying is I wasn't, consistently working on it every day, right? Like if you were to compress the time that I worked on it, if, if one could work on it uninterrupted, I would say, um, depending on how complicated your practice is, a few days of writing, you mm-hmm. know, naming, you know, naming all the bits and pieces that mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you know how much um, detail to go into? Did you talk did you like give a demo to the people who uh you named so you know walk them through it to see if they had any questions or yeah, that's a great idea I haven't I have shared it with them I, I hope they've looked at it I I tend to be a pretty good writer I think my writing's really clear I've broken things up into um really clear steps I include in the document screenshots of my EHR Luminello so that, you know, so, so it's the instructions are, are very step-by-step. Um, but I don't actually know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, haven't actually, I haven't actually taken a poll of like, <laughs> how did this land for you? Right. Well, it makes sense. Um, just so much to think about on a, is a lot high think. level and then you know getting to that really fine tooth mm-hmm. um, level is that's really meaningful now i can see why it took a few days if you're giving them screenshots and line by line instructions. that's my approach like that may mm-hmm. not have been necessary but it's just i want i want it to be you know just having had friends who have had to step in and you know shut down their parents affairs that were more or less well-organized for them and just knowing how stressful that is. Um, this is this is a big ask for some, you know, you're basically asking someone to, who in theory already has their own practice to manage your practice. Um, although one of the things, and I, I saw this in um, some of the templates that I wrote that I stipulate is that my practice closure assistants, i.e. executors would bill my practice for their time. And so I noted this in my instructions to them. And it's also in my personal will um, instructions that this is, this is an anticipated expense. I don't expect, I wouldn't expect a colleague to do this for free. This is a lot Mm -hmm. of work, Mm -hmm. but I I really wanted it to be as clear and user-friendly a process as possible. Mm -hmm. 
I'll make a pause here to invite our listeners to share this podcast with others if you find it useful. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, send us your questions and comments. Our email is enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. That's enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. Now back to the conversation. Mm-hmm. So they would build the estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you they let would. the patients know that so that way the patients wouldn't be confused about the relationship or not the patients, um, the practice, the executors would build the estate for their time spent managing the shutdown of my practice. Okay. But that's not disclosed to your patients. No, no, no. That's not disclosed to my patients. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. And the expectation is not that they would start taking care of my patients, but that they would be letting my patients know that I was no longer available and Mm -hmm. helping my patients find a new psychiatrist. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. That becomes more of a case manager on a yeah. um, much higher level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way I broke it down just in, in my practice, I would say about two thirds of my week of the hours that I, clinical hours I have in a week are spent doing therapy and another third is spent doing medication management. But if you look at the panel of my patients, I have a ton of medication patients because those folks aren't coming right. in every week and a smaller subset of therapy patients. The therapy patients would need a lot more handholding. So it's a smaller mm-hmm. group of patients. All of the medication patients in my practice, at least have therapists, right? And so like, this is one of the pieces of instruction in my will or closure instructions as I show my executors where to find the authorization for contact with the therapist in the patient's chart Mm -hmm. so that they can find that person's phone number. And then they can reach out to that therapist and loop that therapist in to maybe be the person who's doing the front lines work of referring to a different psychiatrist, et cetera. So, um, but those, that's an example of the sorts of things that I found myself thinking. So for example, one of the pros of taking a long time to write this document is it gives you time to notice things in your practice. So one of the things that I realized as I was putting this document together is that I wasn't maintaining the practice of updating releases, which expire after one year. Oh, technically we need to do that. So now I have a workflow in my practice where I remind my, you know, I put a task in my task list of, you know, when the, when the next release is going to be due. And that way I know that for all my patients, there's an up-to-date release in their chart, both for the purposes of having the up-to-date release, but also that if my, if my executor needed to step in, they would easily be able to find that it would be buried somewhere. And it would be, it would be the current therapist with the current phone number to reach that therapist. That's fantastic. And then in terms of your therapy patients, what approach do you want your executor to take with them? So, I mean, obviously if we, if this were to come to pass, we don't know if this would come to pass because I had an accident was disabled or if I had died. So depending on the circumstances that they're there, the, and this is why you choose colleagues who you really trust, you trust that they would mm-hmm. have enough of their own skill set to figure out what's the best way to, to talk with their, with my patients. But I would want what I've instructed in the, my document is for my therapy patients to get a phone call. Um, but my med patients can get an email because I think my therapy patients would need to get a phone call. Maybe there would be 
an email that would go out first saying, I'm a colleague of Dr. Berlin's and I need to set up a phone call with you. And then they would be sure they were calling them at a time when they could speak. Um, and then the expectation is they would potentially offer themselves as a referral or find other people that could work with them. So that would be more of a project. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Any other criteria that you were looking for in terms of your executors as you thought about people to ask? I mean, I think just kind of organically, I gravitated thinking about people who, at least in my fantasies, I don't actually know how anybody else practices. I'm not in the room with them and their patients. Yeah. I feel like they're, they have a similar style to me, you know, so there would uh-huh. be, you know, just, you know, it's like probably not unlike when you think about if you're drawing up your other state planning documents, who you name as the guardian of your children, mm-hmm. right? Like just right. who feels like most akin, you know, mm-hmm. who would you want to entrust mm-hmm. the care of your patients to in a situation like this? That's a great way to put it. So let's say I'm a new grad just going into private practice. Um, How much should I be thinking about this? I think we all should. I mean, unfortunately, we never know what's going to happen to us. And Mm -hmm. if we are responsible for taking care of people and there's nobody built in to step in and and take care of the people you're responsible for, you need to identify somebody who would do that if you no longer were able to. So it's not really a question of how long you've been in practice. It's a question of, are you responsible for people's well-being? Yeah, that's a good point. What happens if you don't do it? I, I, it... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's, I think, I mean, I've, I'm sure I, I've certainly had patients over the years who've had therapists die on them. And, you know, I think, I think a very loving thing to do, like in the same way you wouldn't say, well, I'm a young parent. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, die later. Like yeah. you want to get that, you want to yeah, have your life insurance and your guardians named yeah, of your children. And it's, it's a very loving thing to do that for, mm-hmm. for people in our family and for mm-hmm. our, our patients. And I, I think that if, you know, again, I hope this document never has to be used, but if it were to come to pass that it were, my patient's getting a call saying, I'm the person, your psychiatrist, your therapist designated to help you through this process. I think they would feel really taken care of. What about for groups? Any considerations? Is this only for solo practitioners? I think it's most critical for solo practitioners because presumably, this is a big presumption, but presumably groups had cross coverage and a lot of the nuts and bolts of how the practice is run is not practitioner dependent. There's, you know, there's the administration of the practice, the billing of the practice, the even contacting patients and scheduling that may not be the purview of the clinician. Mm -hmm. So, but I still think that depending on how much variability there is in how different clinicians operate within a, a group, I think the question for groups would be if to ask themselves, if, clinician X were to suddenly not be able to come to work tomorrow, do we have processes in place to account for that? That's a good point. I think small groups wouldn't assume they do have uh, admin help, even if Mm -hmm. they are a group. Mm -hmm. And sure, if it's a hospital system or, you know, you, uh, you would think, although there should be in theory, business succession plans, right. but, um, but yeah, this makes sense that um, the lack of admin help and 
um, especially if you're on your own, man, it's just overwhelming to think about the lack of this. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so important, so meaningful. So what would, what would you say is the lowest hanging fruit here? Like the easiest way to get started with it? Get a template and start to gradually edit it over time. Just look, Mm -hmm. look up a template. um, And a lot of the templates that I saw were posted by psychological associations. So I don't know if this is better mm-hmm. known in the world of psychologists than psychiatrists. And so um, there were some things that didn't quite match, but I, I found the template really, really helpful. And I found it really comprehensive. So, you know, think about who you would want to name as you know, your colleague and an alternate and have a conversation with them. And maybe you do for them what they do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and start to start to craft from a template i mean i don't know some people might find it easier to do this with with a buddy <laughs> like to sit down mm-hmm. with, with somebody right. else and and like let's do this together and and ask each other questions and how do you think about this mm-hmm. section of course that means you have to coordinate schedules with another person which is complicated right. but um it yeah i mean it's it's it is it's a big project but it's it's also i think it well, this is the sort of thing I like to think about. I think it's very worthwhile. And I think it then also makes you think about other aspects of how you practice that you can streamline. Like the example I gave of making sure I have mm-hmm. a way of ensuring that my authorizations are up to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So did at any point, do you have to have a lawyer review it or it's not a legal yeah. document in that yeah. sense? I don't think it's a legal document. Um, I, like I said, I asked my state attorney cause I just, that's just what I do. And she had mm-hmm. never heard of this and she okay. didn't really have much of a basis for reviewing it. Her main feedback was don't call it a will. Okay. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, Lest it be confused with a legal. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. So I don't think it's a legal, I don't, a legal document. I don't know if, I think I've read about like, you know, like I know, for example, the San Francisco Center for Psychoanalysis has a committee on ethics that has posted some things about practice wills. And I know it's considered a best practice. I don't believe that it's a requirement of any sort. Um, I mean, just just kind of riffing on the legal question, I probably at some point asked my liability carrier to take a look at it too, um, Mm, because that's another place to get a a legal-ish review. and made sure, for example, because my point of contact at my liability carrier is named in my document so that my colleagues, can, oh. that's really important. There, there may be questions about disposing patients, referring patients. Um, there may be questions about releasing charts to new treaters um, that I would, and so those are instructions in my document before you release any charts, talk to my liability carrier. And so I had to check with my liability carrier to make sure if you hear from, this person on my behalf with this document, is that straightforward or is there something else that needs to happen? <laughs> and yeah. what do they say? Um, I quite honestly, I know they gave me instructions or whatever the instructions were. I put them in my, um, uh, okay. I put them in my document, but yes, there was, the, there was definitely a way to do it. I just don't remember what the specific way was, but it's. Okay. It's, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can get that link and we'll put it on the, um, on the site here so that people can follow that. Any other recommendations for reading or um, links that um, 
you might have. Um, you don't have to think of them now. Um, but uh, I'll just name one other thing. It's, sure. it's kind of related. And you've maybe heard me talk about this in other conversations, but in the course of looking up best practices for overall estate planning, I discovered an online tool called Everplans. Um, and I know there are other products like this. It's not unique, but basically it's a platform where you can name all of your bank accounts and you can name all of your digital subscriptions and you can name, um, you can upload all of your insurance policies and then you can name people who have access to different sections of that, of your, of your plot, of your instance of, of the platform now or at your death or both. And it, it was like another thing that kind of prompted me to think about all these different dimensions of my practice and of my life. And so it feels very, very similar. And I, I just, I find it as a tool, very helpful to, to give me a structure to thinking about this process. Cause there aren't, there aren't many, we, I think you're asking these questions, like what's the structure to this? Mm-hmm. So I found ever plans just as one tool really helpful for that structure. Mm, that's great. Okay, well, you've given me um, a whole bunch of to do. Are you excited to go home and write your? <laughs> Realize your... I'm way behind. Uh, I know in this it's, it is intimidating, but you know, for you know, I think we can. You can go about this process not feeling like it's an emergency, and you're just gradually chugging away at it. And you'll, mm-hmm. It will finish. It will get finished. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts oh, here. Sure. Learned a lot. Sure. This is great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Hope this was helpful to folks. It's fantastic. And we'll look forward to having you uh, back again soon. And uh, um, take care for now. Thanks. Bye. If you like today's podcast and want to hear more, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have a question you'd like to be discussed on a future podcast, send it to enlightenedpractice at luminello.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.